Okay, people, it is time for Echo Chamber. And this week we have a two-parter. That's right, baby. And, um, you know, part one, we got five films. Part two, we look at a new short and have a epic conversation with the writer, director, and star. So, boom, make sure you go check that one out. But let's start off, as we do, with a look at the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 1st to the 3rd of December. So, at number 10 is Trolls Band Together. This is directed by Walt Doan and Tim Heights. It is written by Jonathan Abel, Glenn Berger, and Elizabeth Tippett, David Diggs, Anna Kendrick, Zoe Deschanel, Justin Timberlake, Canoe, Nara, all in their voices. At number two is The Marvels. Right, this is directed by Nia DaCosta, who co wrote with Megan McDonald and Eliza. Karzik. We've got Brie Larson, Awis Zowie Ashton, Iman Iman Velani, Tiana Paris, Samuel Jackson, all doing their thing. I spoke to one of my peoples yesterday. He said he took his family and they loved this. So, uh, yeah. At number eight is Elf, right? The Christmas uh, staple, really, you know. John Favreau directs, David Burnham Bum wrote, and it starred Will Farrell, James Kahn, Bob Nesbitt, Ed Asner, Mary Sternbergen. Zoe Deschanel, Daniel Tay, Favizian Love, Peter Dinkage. Uh, so at number six, number six, seven, even at number seven, we have Saltburn. We looked at this during the London Film Festival, right? It is the new joint from Emerald Fennell. She wrote. And directed is starring Barry Keown, Jacob Elodie, Archie Madakwai, Sadie Sauvel, Richie Catterall. Right, so at number six, we've got Animal. This is from Sandeep Reddy Vanga. Right, and it is written by Pranye Raddy Vanya. Um, Sarah Gupta and Suresh Badaru, um, starring Ranbir Kapoor, Anil Kapoor, Bobby Dale, Rashmika Madana. Right, okay, so at number five is. Andre Reese, Andre Rue, White Christmas. Say, you know, classical event. 
screening. At number four, not classical, but monumental, right? It is Renaissance, a film by Beyonce, you know, doing big in the theaters, supposedly. You know, at number three, we have Wish, the new uh, Disney joint, directed by Chris Buck and Fawn Versa Fawn. Right, Buck also co-writes with Alison Moore and Jennifer Lee. We have Evan Peters, Chris Pine, Alan Took, Arena DeBoss, Harvey Gulliam, Victor Garber, all lending their voices. At number two, it is The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Francis Lawrence directs once again. And Michael Leslie, Michael Arndt, and Susan Collins write the script. Rachel Zelga, Tim Blythe, Viola Davis, Dexter Sol Ansel, Rosa Gutzler, Clemens Schnick, all star. So our number one film this week, well, it's got to be Napoleon, right? Ridley Scott directs, David Scrapper writes, Vanessa Kirby, Joaquin Phoenix, Ludivine Sagna, Rupert Everett, Mark Boona, Ben Miles, Catherine Walker, Ian McNeese, Tahir Ryan, all do their thing in this epic historical joint. So that's the top 10 people. Phil, it's time for us to get into our five films. Buckle up, let's go. Okay, so we're going to start things off with the new Prime original. It's Candy Cane Lane. Well, people, we have another Christmas film. And this time it is Candy Cane Lane, right? It is the new Amazon Prime joint, you know what I mean? So this is a bit of a star-studded affair. So although I was going to boycott Christmas, I was like, okay, let me give this one a go. It's directed by Reginald Hudland. And written by Kelly Younger. The film is produced by Dum Dum Dum. Boy, there's a lot of people in this film. Eddie Murphy, uh, Karen Lunder, Carice M. Hewitt, and Brian Grazer. Executive produced by Douglas C. Merrifield. Marcus Miller handles music. Newton Thomas Siegel, cinematography. While Jim May and Kenny G. Krause edit the piece. Victoria Thomas was on casting duties. Aaron Osborne production design. While costume design is Sharon Davis. So, who is in the film, you may ask? 
well, people, Eddie Murphy stars in it and he plays Chris Carver. His wife, Carol, is played by Tracy Ellis Ross. He's got his eldest daughter, who is Joy, who is played by Jania Walton. His son, Thaddeus J. Mix, Nick, <laughs> his son is played by Thaddeus J. Mixon. That's Nick Carver. And his youngest daughter, Holly, is played by Madison Thomas. We then have got, hmm, Pep, let's go. Pepper is played by Gillian Bell. Um, Cordelia is played by Robin Fed. Lamplighter Gary is played by Chris Reed. And Pip is played by Nick Offerman. Santa Claus is played by David Alan Greer. Um, Chris's neighbor, Bruce, is played by Ken Marino. Shelley is played by Angela Johnson Reyes. Scott is played by Lombardo Boyer. Emerson, played by Timothy Simmons. There is um, Kit, played by Danielle Pink Pinnock. Josh, played by DC Youngfly. Um, Sella, played by Man Benson. Claire, Belle Legrand. Uh, the Notre Dame Scout is played by Tygo Roberts. Trey is played by Travant Rhodes. Donald James DeMont. Kimmer. Ali Astin. Um, North Carolina Scouts played by Kimberly Christian. That is... That's probably all the main um, people. Uh, oh, I'd say the Carolers are played by Pentanix, Scott Hoying, Kirsten Maldon Maldonado, Ooh. Mitch Grassi, Kevin Ulusa. And Matt Sally. All right, so uh, yeah, that's all the caroling people that we see. Yeah, that that's that's I would say that's our main uh, lot of people. I feel, I feel there, there's a load of people that uh, appear. Um, yeah, yeah. But that's, yeah, that should be it. Now, the gist of the film is this. Uh, we follow the adventure about a man on a mission to win his neighborhood's annual Christmas home decoration contest. After Chris inadvertently makes a deal with a mischievous elf named Pepper to better his chances of winning, she casts a magic spell that brings the 12 days of Christmas to life and wrecks havoc on the whole town. At the risk of ruining the holidays for his family, 
Chris, his wife, Carol, and their three children must race against the clock to break Pepper's spell, battle deviously magical characters, and save Christmas for everyone. So supposedly, right, supposedly, <laughs> Kelly Younger, he wrote this film um, and used inspiration from his childhood. I don't know what kind of childhood old Kelly had. <laughs> because, boy, if there were elves and, you know, Christmas ornaments that came to life, that's some crazy motherfucking childhood. You know what I mean? I'm surprised old Kells ain't in therapy, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, like, star power abound in this one. You know, Reg is directing, I mean, Hoodlum makes great films, you know? So there was a lot to want to ingest with this one. And I will say this, right? It looks nice, right? I thought the production was good. I even thought the Christmas songs and music they used, right, was all right. It wasn't grating. I was like, Hmm, I ain't heard that one. That one's, yeah, maybe I wouldn't hate Christmas music if I'd heard some of this stuff, you know? So all of those elements I thought were pretty decent. And the acting is solid, you know what I mean? It, it, the, the acting isn't terrible or anything like that. I think the thing that is the issue, is the story. And I think if you had just kept the story at bare basics, it would have worked a lot better. But we have so much going on here and, and stuff that doesn't necessarily impact the film, right? We, we have a job situation going on for Chris and Carol, right, for both of them, there's this job thing that really does nothing for the film, doesn't drive the film forward, if neither are going on, the film's the film, you know, and you might go, oh, but Chris's situation forced him to do, go and buy the thing, but I'm just like, he would have probably bought that anyway, because it's just, He's in a rivalry with his neighbor, right? Him and Bruce going back and forth. So, you know, there's a there's a reason for him to do that without the work thing. You know what I mean? So you have that all going on. You then create this situation with his oldest daughter and his son, which I don't even know why, right, it, it's not, like, there's just silly things, you know what I mean, the, 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 the reasoning doesn't necessarily really, I mean, it just doesn't make sense to his daughter, that whole situation is just like, what, you know, 
it's just about different colleges and you're just like i mean you'd think there would just be a like a, it would just be like oh you want to do oh what about the tradition well let's talk about it you know what i mean but it's just yeah it's it's weird that's all weird and then the whole track situation is weird with the scouts Right, the 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 whole dismissals and then the oh come talk to like no the, what are we doing here? What are we I don't know. Um and then the sun thing, right? The music and the like we always have this. We always for some weird reason there is never like people can never do two things, you know. There's never encouragement to do things. It's always one or the other, right? And I think I remember uh, as I watched the first couple of seasons, I think, of My Wife and Kids, right? And Junior, I think it's Junior. I feel Junior is the kid's name, right? Um, it's basically... He is uh, the the son in this one, right? He's Nick, you know, doesn't like maths, right? And it's just this weird thing. Like, it doesn't really make any sense. The whole thing with Nick at the um, at the school makes no sense because you're just like, wait. How does he, wait, what's going on, like, and why, right, it was just this weird scene that it's just like, wait, what is, what's happening here, what's the reason of Russia now for this, it, it was just a weird addition, and there seems, you know, they're, they're throwing in these kind of side little plots and stories and just all of this kind of jazz, and you're just like, Huh? What? But one, like, the situation, though, the main story situation, you know, he wants to um, have this incredible decorated house. And, you, you know, you know this goes on. Supposedly, right, this is based on reality, right? I think um, I read there's a place in um, America, there's a famous lane, right? And it's known as uh, Candy Cane Lane because everyone always visits there in California. I feel that, that that's the thing. So it's based on this thing. And he wants to have the best house, right? But finding Pepper's shop, you just think there's so many questions, but you'd be like, wait, this shop that's not usually here, and now there's this thing here, so that's not a red flag. When someone's like, sign, don't, oh, should I read the term and conditions? No, don't read the term, just sign it, just sign it. You're just like, I'm going to read the terms, and you know what I mean? Like, just all of that was, it was a weird approach. Right? If you just had him at the very beginning, just go, 
oh, that's long. Ah, no one reads these. Or just something, you know, just brush it off. But to have Pepper, like, say what she says, then makes it a weird situation. Because no one's doing it, right? And we've got this whole news thing going on where you've got the two news anchors and one seems to be oblivious on everything. And you're just like, how would Homie be oblivious? Right? Suppose he doesn't know what a prize is. He doesn't know who the anchor is. He doesn't... He just, there's all this information that he doesn't know. And you're just like, how would that be a thing, right? Both of them would be getting the information in their ear, right? Both of them would be getting that information. You know, you work on the show, you get the prep for the show. So that whole thing was weird. And you just feel... Uh, they're throwing it kind of in there to be this comedic relief, but it's, I mean, it's not funny. I mean, for me, anyway, I didn't find it funny. It was just, yeah, just this weird thing of people saying stuff for whatever reason, but not being on the same page. And you're just like, how, how would that be a thing? How would that be a thing? Right. And... I didn't get the whole Pip situation. Why always throw a weird British character into these kind of things? Because the accent is always dreadful. Right? The accent is always dreadful. Right? It was just a bit bizarre. A bit bizarre. Now, people, 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 people. If I will say this, right? I feel if you enjoyed Best Christmas Ever, right? If that was your big thing, if you loved that film, then I kind of think that you will most likely enjoy this film, right? I, 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 yeah, I feel that would probably... Yeah, that would probably work for you. There was a Christmas film on um, Netflix. I think it was last year, right? It had, um, oh, what is my man's name? I, I think it had Lawrence Fishburne in it. And there was like, they ran a big Christmas shop. And the daughter, I think, was wanted to take it over or something like that. Right. It's a, yeah, one of those films. But I think if you like that, there's Click and Collect from a few years ago starring Nick um, Steve Merchant. If those films are um, your favorites, like Jingle All the Way, stuff like that, then Candy Cane Lane. You'll enjoy it, you know, because it has all that Christmas stuff there, you know, and most Christmas films, the story is all over the place, 
right? It is convoluted. It makes no sense. There's weird things happening that have no say on the story, but they're this big thing, you know? So, yeah, if those films are for you, then Candy Cane Lane will most likely work. So it's out on Prime, right? So if you've got Prime, you like everything Eddie Murphy does. Yeah. So if you like Coming to America too, right? If you like that, if you liked you people, boom, Candy Cane Lane. Yeah. Deck the halls with terrible Christmas films. Next up, we have a Netflix original. It is Christmas as usual. So after watching a sad film, I was like, I need something happy, something fun. So I, in my rashness, picked Christmas as usual. All right, it is the new film from Petter Holmson, who wrote and directed it. All right, it is produced by Espen Horn, Jenny Victor Jarman, and Kirsten Strand Sinkhund. It is executive produced by Harold Zwat, Zelmay Rud Zwat. Taraj Stormstad, Epson Sandbog, and Yabba Hulst. Matthew Weston handled cinematography. Marie Nezet, costume design. Hair and makeup, we have Marie Bonyes Harmonson. Live Becca Kundensen. Emina Malmajin and Ingrid Opdal. Our cast, we have got Thea, played by um, Ida Ursenholm, Jassan, played by Canon Gill, um, Anna Lisa, played by Marit. Anderson, Jorgen, played by Mads Sugod Pettersson, Simon, played by Eric Falstad, um, Ronja, played by Nora Harriet, and Matilda Hovdegard, Hildegun, Played by Velzemim Vezlemoy Morkid. Um, and the taxi driver is Honaz Strand Gravil. Okay, so the gist of the film is fear is going back to a rural hometown in order to celebrate a classic Norwegian Christmas with her family. But this year, she's bringing along Jassan, her Indian boyfriend, 
What was supposed to be Christmas as usual turns into a tumultuous and heartwarming festive period that will put everyone's preconceived beliefs and traditions on their heads. Okay. Huh. Right. I I myself wouldn't say it's heartwarming. And the preconceived beliefs and traditions. No. Right? If you're a weirdo, if you're a bigot, right? I mean, that's the only way you're coming in to this with the preconceived notions, right? There's, I don't know, everything seems like conversations would have just had everyone on the right foot. And it's just an odd, it's just odd, right? That they weren't had, you know? So we start off and we've got Fia walking down the street, talking to her mum about, oh, she's looking forward to Christmas. And like, oh, is it snowing over there? And it's just like, it's Norway. It's December. So there's going to be snow. You know what I mean? Like, if there was no snow, it would be on the news. It'd be like, oh, my God breaking news all the snow in norway melted global warming is real you know what i mean you'd get something so it was a kind of a dumb conversation they're having but she gets home and jasan who she's calling jason to her parent her mum, and whatnot he has got a big surprise planned and uh, he proposes. Now, all of that, I mean, the response is weird to that. But it's all, you know, so they go back home. She asks him, come back to mine for Christmas. And he's like, yes, I will. But she hasn't told her, her you know, her family that he's Indian. Now, I don't think that you know, you date someone, and when you're talking about them, you're like, um, yo, just, just so, just a heads up, right? They're Indian, they're Latino, they're Chinese, they're, you know, what I mean? like, I don't think you have to do that, but, right? There would have been like the oh, what do they look like? Do you have a picture? Describe them. There would have been that, like, it, it's trying to you know, say that no one asked what they look like, be like, are they tall, what colour hair, what kind of, you know what I mean, there would have been those questions, so that whole, oh, we had no clue, is weird, right, and just the, I think, like, there's a thing about her dad, that you're just like, wait, that that how was that not discussed? Because it's just like just and acts like oh he didn't know, and it's just like we how long have you guys been dating? Because they're like oh I know it's soon, but but when you say soon, it's not gonna be after a month. 
two months, three months, right? So you're thinking there's been enough time for certain conversations because these are the conversations that you, you have to get to know someone. So it's not even like, wait, how did you not tell me your third cousin removed on the left's name? You know what I mean? It's nothing like crazy like that. It's just, this is like, it's an important conversation. You'd have thought it would come up, but supposedly it didn't, right? It's just the things about food. You have conversations about what kind of food you like. Oh, how spicy do you like your food? Simple things like that, right? Simple things. It'd be like, Oh, you like spicy food? Yeah, I love spicy food. Ah, awesome. Oh, what about your family? Are they, like, that's just in an everyday kind of thing. Be like, yo, is this the kind of thing, you know, this level of spice that was cooked at home? Be like, nah, man, my family don't like spice. You know what I mean? It, it, there would have been these things, right? So a lot of the stuff that came up, you just be like, really? You're really telling us that that was never discussed, that that was never done, you know, it's baffling, supposedly this is based on a true story, and you just think, if that was someone's experience, I don't think that would last, right, I've gone to um, in-laws, right, where it's been, like, Ah, man, I had this girl I was seeing, well, the two times, right? One, and um, her friends were racist as fuck. They would not even, you know, look at me. They wouldn't, you know, ask me a question. They wouldn't act like I was even in the fucking room. But we drove there, so there's no way for me to leave on my own. Right. And I'm just like, yo, your friends are fucking food. And he's like, uh, is it? you know, it's, it's weird excuses. That shit didn't, that, you know, as soon as we got back, that was over. You know what I mean? There was another time, this other chick, like there were gollywogs in the house. And her, her aunt was just like, oh, if you have a kid, you could call it a name with a K and you'd be the KKK. And I'm just looking at this woman like, yo, what the fuck is wrong with you? Right? I said something to the chick. Like, <laughs> when it's funky, you, you say something. And if the other person, if the person you're with isn't calling this shit out, they ain't the right, you know what I mean? They're not the right one, yo. So the fact, like there's a racist dog, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's very bizarre. It's bizarre. And then it, it, it's just that weird notion of, right, everyone acts off key. And then someone says this one thing and then everyone's just like, oh, oh my God, yeah, we acted horribly, and do a complete 180, and you're just like, firstly, that never happens, right, secondly, how could I ever trust you if, A, you don't even know what you're doing is fuckeries, 
And then B, you just pivot like that, right? I don't believe that's insincerity. You know what I mean? So it just makes no sense. This, these type of films make no sense to me. You know, it follows the whole Christmas, Christmas. It follows the whole Christmas deal, right? The way those films run, right? But I'm just like, we need to move away from this format because it's ludicrous, right? It is it, it, so dishonest. We need to stop it. It's, it's, you know, there's just so many things that go down that, you know, you're just like, wait, you don't know that he can't ski, right? You don't know that this is this or that is that. It's just like, so you guys never talk. That's what you're telling. You guys never talk. You should not be married. You know what I mean? There's a weird thing in the airport that you're just like, Okay, sure, he ain't even moving that fast. So if what you're saying is the deal, there's no way they'd be in that spot. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm just I'm baffled by this film, right? It did stop me from being sad, but it just made me frustrated. That's what this did. It made me frustrated, people. Boy. But as I said, look. It, it hits all those Christmas notes. So if you like stuff like Holiday, I Hate Christmas, Best Christmas Ever, Dashing Through the Snow, if those films made you happy, then Christmas as usual will work for you. You know, it didn't work for me, but I... I'm not the target audience. You know what I mean? So, yeah, if you like those Christmas films, you will be fine with this. So go onto Netflix and have yourself a fun-filled 95 minutes. Now we have the new Searchlight Pictures joint. It is theater camp. Yo, people, I am really surprised, right? You know when sometimes you check out a film just by chance, kind of, right? No expectations, and then it just completely blows you away. Well, that's just happened. Just watched Theatre Camp. Now, I'd heard some stuff, like just, yeah, Theatre Camp, pretty good. But nothing like crazy. But I put on Disney uh, Plus the other day, and there it was, right? Uh, which I was surprised because, yeah, I had no inkling it was dropping. Uh, so yeah, I checked it out and god damn, right? It is directed by Molly Gordon and Nick Lieberman, who co-wrote the film with Noah Gavin 
and Ben Platt, right? Uh, it's actually based on a short story they all created in 2022, you know what I mean? So the film is produced by Jessica Elbaum, Eric Fig, Will Farrell, uh, Noah Gavin, Galvin, Molly Goulden, uh, Julia Hammer, Ryan Heller, Sammy Kim Falvey, Nick Lieberman, Ben Platt, and Maria Zuckerman. Okay. Uh, yep, that's correct. It's executive produced by Michael Bloom, uh, Alex Brown, Mary Bundy, uh, Cheyenne Fisk, Jennifer Semler, Jimmy Totoro, and Jeff Valerie. It's associate produced by Bernard Telsey. Uh, Talia Cohen and Kristen Charbunia. James McAllister and Mark Summonblick handled the music. Nate Hertzler, cinematography. John Philpot edited the piece with. Kristen Charbona and Bernard Telsey handling casting as well. Production design is Jordan Janota and Charlotte Royer. Set decoration, we have Maria Rachel Burke, Nick Clark, Christopher Scotto, and Jake Cecilie with costume design from Michelle J. Lee. Hair and makeup, Crystal Savonsky, Ayanna Lee, Grace Fong, Mitch Ellie, Taylor Winner, Rachel White, Liv Swanson, Andrew Scottemeyer, Joshua First, Fallon Jalio, Edward, and Kathleen Atkins. So our cast, right? Amos is played by Ben Platt. Rebecca Diane is played by Molly Goulden. Glenn Winthrop is played by Noah Galvin. Jimmy Totoro plays Troy Rubinsky. Right. His mother, Joan Rubinsky, is played by Amy Sedaris. We've got um, Joan's friend, Rita Cohen, played by Caroline Aaron. Uh, Janet Walsh is played by A.O. Edabiri. Clive DeWitt is played by Nathan Lee Graham. Gigi Charbona is played by Owen Field. Right. Caroline Krause is played by Patty Harrison. Mackenzie Thomas is played by Bailey Bonique. Darla Sanchez is played by... Uh, hmm. Syndra. 
Sindra, Sindra, I think, Sanchez. Devon Miller is played by Donovan Colon. Lainey Fisher is played by Vivian Satch. Alan Park is played by Alan Kim. Sebastian Campbell played by Alexander Bello. Um, Christopher L played by Luke Islam. Christopher S played by Jack Sobolesqui. Toby Garcia played by Dean Scott Vasquez. Alice Taylor played by Quinn Titcomb. Franny King played by Madison Laura. Salem played by Max Sheldon. So yeah, that's um Bobby Kay played by Jonathan Lengel. Wendy played by Olivia Puckett. Um Tim played by Jonathan uh Itteridge da Silva. So the gist of this is, as summer rolls around again, kids are gathering from all over to attend Adri, Adriadron Ac, Ac, ugh, ACTS, a scrappy theatre camp in Upper State, New York, that's a haven for budding performance. After its Indomitable founder Joan falls into a coma. Her clueless crypto bro son Troy is tasked with keeping the Thespian paradise running. With financial ruin looming, Troy must join forces with Amos, Rebecca, Diane, and their band of eccentric teachers to come up with a solution before the curtain rises on opening night god damn people this was so i had no clue what it was gonna be right i wondered if it was gonna be like um I mean, is it wet hot summer wet hot summer i feel it's wet hot summer right I mean, it's, it's something along those kind of lines which slightly but no it's, it's it feels something different right because it's kind of shot a bit like a documentary, right, which I think you don't quite get until, a f like, maybe five or ten minutes in, because we, we you know, we, we we hear, you know, all these theatre kids, and, you know, camp is great, it's a haven, all of this, and we see Joan and um, Rita, I think it is, yeah, scouting right so they're watching some performers and all of a sudden joan collapses like she's in a coma so now what happens what do they do right that's the question what do they do so yeah then her son troy <laughs> he comes in and we're so like Troy's an influencer and all of this. And that's when it's like we get this text appear, right? It's like the the crew decided to keep on filming, even though Joan's in the camera. Right. And you're like, wait, what? Oh. Now that part of it is the only thing that's a little frustrating, 
right? Because not the the breaks and the comments. That's all fine. That's amusing as fuck. But we get this black screen and then this tiny white text in the very center of the screen, and it's just like you have a whole screen. Use it. Use it, people. What the fuck are we doing? Or have someone narrate. You know what I mean? It's always irritating. This motherfucking text on the screen. Narrate it. Pay someone to speak those words, you lazy sons of bitches. Arr. But anyway, people, this was just insane. Right? Because we've got these all like different age kids at camp and they're kind of feral, <laughs> but feral in a passionate way for musical theater. Right? That's the thing. It, they're not like running around doing coke and, you know, having sex or anything like that, but they're just into camp. Right, they wanna act, they wanna sing, they wanna dance, and they will do anything to be able to do that. So it is. Oh my god, it's so amusing. Right, there's a bit, and you just get she's using, and the teachers stop everything, jump on stage, but not how normal people jump on stage, right? It's all a performance. And then they get this girl like, shush your hands. I forget what they call it, but it's just like a tear stick is an actor's steroids. Basically, oh my God, you need to watch the scene for it to really hit. I can't do it justice, but oh, it's gold. Right, there's a lot of dry humor, dry humor, and it's incredible. Right, I, I think I like I did laugh out loud during this film, but a lot of the time, I'm just grinning, right, and just quietly chuckling to myself, you know, because it's just cutting. There's bits. It's just cutting, you know what I mean, like these little kids will just turn around and just say some shit, and you're like, what the fuck, man, you know what I mean, <laughs> it's so good, it's, it's so well written, it really is, because although it's insane, right, it doesn't go too crazy, you know, so there is a, a realism there, but to the 10th degree, you understand, right, it, it's off, it's crazy off, but you're just like, yeah, Right, like when people get mad passionate about shit, they will go to crazy extents. So it works on that degree. Then you just got, you know, the 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 the, the, the real weird shit like Janet Walsh, right? That whole situation 
which is just like, wait, what is happening here? You know, it's, oh my God. Oh, people, if you haven't heard of theater camp, you are missing out, right? Damn, I, I'm just, I'm so glad I was able to watch this because I do feel like it would have been a shame to go the year and not to have discovered this goddamn film. You know, it, it's just got a really fun flow to it. The story is, um, you know, because it's dealing with these different friendships and this addiction to camp, right? And everything about it. Also, there's realizing your potential and dreams. So all of this is wrapped up in this crazy thing. It's a bit like the, um, the thick of it. Right, it's that sort of sharp, quick wit, you know, which is just oh, I love that style of writing, you know, it's so good, it's so good. Like, and there's an evolution in the characters, right? There's, I think, at the start, you might not like Troy, but although Troy is a straight up dum dum. You you do warm to him. You do be like, yo, he's, he's trying, man. Homie is trying, right? So, so it's a, like the songs, I'm not a huge fan of musicals, right? But there are ones that I've enjoyed the hell out of, you know? And like there's certain things like Encanto. I liked Encanto, man. That was fun. You know what I mean? There was something recently that was a musical, and I didn't even realize it was going to be a musical. I forget what it was. I think we looked at it last week. My memory's shit, people. Boy. But when it's done well, they can be fun. And this was fun. Like the song, because the songs are just again, they're kind of the these weird streams of consciousness, right? So the songs work, the dancing is again ridiculous, but fun. It's so good, and the acting. Now, there are times when I do question kids, right? Because they don't always hit the emotions. Which you can understand because it's a little fucking kid. They ain't experienced certain shit. So how are they going to channel it properly, you know? It's like when you have little kids singing about love. And it's just like, yo, what, what, what what's the little kid talking about? They, that, that little kid ain't experienced this shit. What's going on? But I will tell you this right now. Everyone in this goddamn film destroyed. Joyce, oh my god, they wreck shop when they're on scene. The acting is so good, it is so good. People, man, there's crazy chemistry between everyone like the people you're meant to like, the people you're meant to gravitate to, the people that are meant to be frustrating and irritating. Everyone performs, everyone just hits. 
just hits this spot so goddamn well. Yo, people, you need to get fear to camp in your life. It feels like the spirit animal to Little Miss Sunshine. It really does. It really friggin' does, people. Yo, yo. <sighs> you know what I mean? If I, if I'm not feeling something, I'm not gonna tell you vehemently to watch it, right? And I'm telling you vehemently to watch this. Go get Fear Camp in your life. You are not gonna be disappointed. Trust me, people. And now it's time for our the first of our two films hitting the cinema this week. Signatures, The Inseparables. Okay, so the good folks at Signature hit me up with The Irresponsibles. The Inseparables. Not the irresponsibles, <laughs> the inseparables. I cannot read. Right, yes, the inseparables. It is directed by Germain de Grousson. Right, it is written by de Grousson along with Bob Barlin, Cal Brunker. Joel Cohen, Alec Sokolu, and Matteo Zella. Uh, the film's produced by Matteo Gondint and Matteo Zella, and the CGI is produced by Vincent Filbert. Music is handled by Puggy. I'm, I'm sure he wasn't christened Puggy. That's a uh, stage name I'd imagine, right? Uh, <laughs> visual effects are Yanis Belad and Tone uh, Dupin, Fabian Everett, Roland Franak, Alexandra Mazzelli. Do Minkin, Alexandra Neville, Justin Pascal, Natarajan Rajarakachulan, and Florian Wouterlet. The animators are Garrett Bernacun, Louise Bessie, Lara Fries, Claudia. Clint Heinzen, Valentin Legrand, and Dagmara Zimakikaya. Whew. Right out voice cast. Don is voiced by Dakota West. Um, D is voiced by Monica Young. Right, DJ Doggy Dog is Jordan Bard. Alfonso is Dante Paris. Pat is Oliver Paris. 
uh, Monty the Pigeon is Art Brown. And the Dragon is Danny Fihensvid. Right, so the gist of the story is... Mm-mm-mm. Okay, so uh, we follow the misadventures of Don, a runaway puppet with a boundless imagination, and DJ Doggy Dog, an abandoned stuffed animal toy in need of a friend as they cross paths in Central Park and pair up against all odds for an epic adventure of friendship in New York City. Dum, 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 dum. Right, so this is sold on the back of a couple of the writers worked on Toy Story. You know, so, which is fine. You know what I mean? It's not all the Toy Story writers know, you know, which... Yeah, I I feel that's one of the things that needs to be mentioned. But everyone has worked on a lot of animated features. You know what I mean? And I think with this, it's all about the audience. You know? It's because visually, this looks really good. It looks really good. And what was interesting to me because our character to, to our character don he's got this huge imagination and so he wants to be an adventurer right because in the theater group he plays the fool right and alfonso is the hero all the time and so don he dreams of being the hero, slaying dragons, saving princesses, and all of that malarkey. And when he goes into these imaginary adventures, the animation changes. And you know what it reminded me of, people? There was a game back in the day called Dragon's Lair, right? I had it on the Commodore 64. Yes, but I do believe it was in the arcades as well. But yeah, Dragon's Lair. And the 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 animated style that is utilized for the imaginary, the imagination sequences just really reminded me of that. So it's different from the CGI, which I thought was a very nice touch. I like that a lot. Right, so, um, yeah, we get this story because it's, you know, we have these puppets that work in a theater. Yeah, yeah, we that's how it opens up. We see this theater play, and um, once you know the humans have left, the puppets take their strings off and they're just walking around, right? So we we get the backstory of everything though we don't really have it explained how the hell these puppets can keep a theater running you know that was uh odd 
But yeah, this is all about adventure, imagination, and friendship, right? Which, that's nice. That works, you know? So I think a younger audience is going to have a lot of fun with this. Is going to have a lot of fun. You've got a, a dog that raps, you know? You've got Don and his imagination. You've got D, you know, who's tired of being saved all the time and she wants to take charge, right? So you have all of these elements that you think, man, yeah, a little kid will watch this and they will be grinning and they'll have fun, you know? But I think an older audience you then start to question some of the plot holes, right? Firstly, as I said, how the hell are these puppets keeping a theater running, right? They, they, you feel they could have been a lot more fun with that, right? So setting up voice messages and, you know, being like, oh, using it, you know, the computer, right? Oh, oh, we the, the camera's not working, so we, oh, we can't use that. You know what I mean? It's just all of these kind of things as ways of fooling people that it's puppets, right? So that could have been fun because it's just not explained. So you're like, I don't understand how this is uh, working, right? So we have all of that. Then it's just kind of like how is everything else going like how is Don gonna have an adventure because he's a puppet and if he's seen that's a problem right there was no kind of talk about disguise and all of this kind of thing and something that kind of irked me right is DJ Doggy Dog voiced by John Bard, which is all good. It's all fine. Um, you know, Bard's Jordan Bard, even, um, you know, voices a lot of characters and all of this kind of thing. But DJ Doggy Dog is they've styled him on a you know, you could say an early LL Cool J, right? A member of Run DMC. You see what I'm saying here, people? You know, DJ Doggy Dog is a brown dog. So you kind of feel, right? It's DJ, they say DJ Doggy Dog is black, right? Voiced by a white dude. Now, make him a white dog. Right, or something like you could have done other things here. It's a little bit weird, right? It is it's a little bit weird that character. Now, I'm not saying they were trying to be messy or anything, but it just feels odd, you know. Feels odd, people. So, but yeah, I don't think a little kid, right, a four or five-year-old isn't questioning that. They're going to have fun. But it's just, yeah, like, as you get 
older and if you're an adult, some of these things are a little bit weird, a little bit odd, don't make sense, you know? But as I said, a little kid, there's a lot of adventures, there's chases, there's all this weird, fun escapes and all of that kind of thing. So, right, this hits the cinema Friday the 8th. Right, Friday the 8th of December, it's in cinemas. And yeah, if you've got tiny little kids, it's going to be, you know, I think this is like 88 minutes, right? So, boom, a nice little way to distract them. And if you can't get to the cinema, it's hitting digitals, all your VODs, on the 22nd of January 2024. So, yeah. Like, it will entertain your rugrats, but you got to know your kids, I think, with this one. You've got to know your kids, right? If they get skeptical about things, right, if they're mad inquisitive, they might not feel this, right? But if they are just a out cloud dreaming, then boom, you've got them. You've got them with this one. So yeah, understand your kids, man. And you'll know whether, right? You'll know whether the inseparables is going to be fun dreams or young towns. So yeah, it's up to you, parents. Guardians, you have the choice. The inseparables. And we're going to end with this, right? For its 75th anniversary, thanks to the BFI, the Red Shoes is coming to cinemas. So, thanks to Sarah Barnard and the BFI, just back from a screening of The Red Shoes. Now, you might think, wait, didn't that come out in 1948? Yes, yes, it did. But this is part of the 75th anniversary of the film. 75 years. How frigging crazy is that, right? So it is directed by Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger. Um, they also wrote the film with some help from Keith Winter. Okay, the film is produced by, um, again, Powell and Pressburger. And um, associate produced by George R. Busby. Brian Estale handled the music. Jake Cardiff was on cinematography. While Reginald Mills edits a piece. Production design is from Hein Heckruff. Arthur Lawson is art direction. Costume design, again, is Hein Heckruff. Hair and makeup. We have Eric Carter, Ernst Gasser, and George Blackler. All right, so the cast. 
we have got in the role of Boris Lermatrov is Anton Walbrock. Uh, Victoria Page is Moira Shearer. Julian Craster is Marius Goring. Ivan Boloski is Robert Helpman. Uh, Sergei Ratov is Albert Bassaman. Grisha Lubov is Leonid Massin. Livy is Esmond Knight. Professor Palmer is Austin Trevor. Lady Nelson, uh, Victoria's. Hmm. I forget if it's his mother or grandmother. Um, but she's played by Irene Browning. Uh, we have Boison, played by Hay Petit. Dimitov is Eric Berry. Uh, Who else do we have? Madame Rambart, played by Marie Rambart. Irina Bronskeje is played by Ludmilla Tichinera. Um, Yeah, that's the main. This is a lot. There's dancers and costume people. There's a lot of people in it, man. The gist of the film is this. Under the authoritarian rule of the charismatic ballet impresionario Boris Lemontov, his protégés realized the full promise of their talents. But at a price. Utter devotion to their art and complete loyalty to Lemontov himself. Under his near-obsessive guidance, young ballerina Victoria Page is poised for superstardom, but earns Limitov's scorn when she falls in love with Julian Castor, composer of the Red Shoes and Ballet Limitov, is staging to showcase her talents. Vicky leaves the company and marries Craster, but still finds herself torn between Limitov's demands and those of her heart. So, yeah, that is the film. Now, this is also based on a uh, Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale, which I had completely forgotten about. You know, it's only when it's brought up in the film that it's like, oh, yeah, I recall that one. So that was uh, very interesting, right? Now, this is, <laughs> this really is an advert for allocated seating, right? Because it opens up and we've got these, these like um, bell boy guy type of in get-ups, right? Holding these doors, They're like, ah, and then you just hear people beating and screaming and then someone's like let them in and the doors come open and then just these animals <laughs> just they're pushing each other running up the stairs to get seats right to get in the front row uh which is um yeah crazy so, I mean, it's elevated seating, so they're up high, like in the, the, the you know, the circle, as it were. 
But yeah, they're fighting to see. And so they're, they're watching this ballet. And there's some people that are there for the, the dancing, some people there for the music, right? Because their lecturer, Dr. Palmer, he has supposedly scored this music. But as it's playing, certain things are revealed, which leads right, Julian Craster to go visit Lemontov, right, so you have that interaction, uh, we have Lemontov at a party, um, you know, thrown by Lady Nelson, and there he meets Victoria, right, oh, yes, Victoria is Denise, right, and, um, yeah, it's a, it's a funny kind of situation, but they meet and he gives her an opportunity to dance for his ballet. And, you know, it's trials, right? So we see, but just in that, we we see who Lemontov is, because he's very, he's focused on the ballet, right? He's not, oh, Miss Page is attractive, I want, no, it's just, she could be a good dancer. I like the way she talks about dance, right? So at first page, you know, she's just a practice dancer, right? She wants more, but he's not gonna just give her anything. You have to work for all of this. So I think that's an interesting thing that we're watching that, right? And we see a lot of practice here right, there is a lot of ballet on show, which is fascinating, because I think a lot of times in, in films, you would just kind of skirt by, you, it's more on the interactions, it's more on the people, so you don't really see the dancing itself, but here we see the dancing, we see the practice, and just all the stuff that goes into it, right, which I find that incredible, just watching all of the minutiae of what it takes to put on these performances, right? But yeah, then you have Craster, who's now working at the ballet, and his actions, right? So we, we just see all of these different interactions, which add to this this notion of pure commitment to the art but it doesn't it doesn't completely go that way right and we you know what i mean it, it's not like these people don't know because the the previous lead dancer right irina boronskaya right, she gets married, and then she's gone, so it, it's like, if you're not committed, if you're half in, half out, Lemontov has no interest, what we see with all of this, it, I think it's this fascinating way of storytelling, because this film was made in 48, 48, Hey, 
And we get this very rich story, very rich story, you know, of determination, commitment, creativity, right? The, this look at relationships, this whole devotion to your art. But then the other big thing we see is the whole kind of like, you should quit your dream to be with me notion, right? There's no half measures from anyone, you know? It's not like, oh, you could do this and you could do that. Or look, I know this is important to you, you know what I mean? You do this and we'll we'll do this, we'll work it out in this way. No, we don't get that. So we get to look at all of these different elements. And the dancing, oh my God, the dancing is great, right? It, it's the movement, right? The way that is all choreographed. You know, it's the lighting, the costumes, all of this really just dazzle you. Oh, man, it's great. It really is a spectacle. Now, the nuance isn't necessarily there, right? It, it's kind of, there's no real, I mean, there's gray areas, but in the way everyone is performing, it, it's pretty, it's one or the other. You know what I mean? Like, we don't get, I would say, a um, a complete look at the emotions of people. You know, it is a very, which, you know, we got in back in the day, like, performative. Right, rather than showing real emotions, it's like, oh my god, you know what I mean? Like it's just a little over the top, right? So when you have certain things going on, like there's a big bit at the end, and it's just like, hey, that's dramatic, right? It's like when you watch, uh, you know, the 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 Jane Austen stuff and uh, the Brontes and all of that. Right, when it's just like, my heart is broken, I shall now die. Oh. It's just like, wait, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? That that was that was it. That's how they showed certain things back in the day, right? And you do get that here. You get that here. Sometimes the the conversation, although we get some poignant things that are said, you know, there are conversations that don't necessarily flow as a normal conversation would, you know what I mean? Or people are projecting, right? They're orchestrating the voice, right? Rather than talking to the person, it's just like, oh, right? So we do get some of that. But this film was made in 1948, right? 1948. Hey, it's crazy. It's crazy. So when you understand that, you know what I mean? Take all of these things into consideration. The red shoes still stands up. It's still 
an impressive piece of cinema. Two hours and 15 minutes, people. Two hours and 15 minutes. But it didn't feel crazy long. It was very engrossing. Very engrossing indeed. So it will be hitting cinemas from the 8th of December. From the 8th of December, UK and Ireland wide. It's part of the BFI's major UK wide film celebration of one of the greatest and most enduring uh, filmmaking partnerships in the history of cinema. Right? They've got Cinema Unbound, The Creative World of Power, and Pressburger. And that is running until the 31st of December at the BFI and um, around the country, right? Also, as it's the 75th anniversary, right, of this incredible film, the BFI has got the red shoes beyond the mirror. Now, this is running at the BFI South Bank until the 7th of January. So definitely, you know what I mean? Two things to take note of, right? If you're a fan of Power and Pressburger, you've got until the end of December to check out their work at the BFI. And you can experience this new Red Shoes Beyond the Mirror exhibition to mark the 75th anniversary of this magnificent film. So, people, make sure you mark all of that down on the calendar. And, uh, yeah, you can go and experience this wonderful piece of cinema. Okay, people, so we have hit the end of part one, but before we bounce, let's take a look and see what's happening in the world of film. All right, so Saltburn, right, the new joint from Emerald Fresnel. We looked at it during the BFI London Film Festival, and um, yeah, it'd been picked up by Amazon, but there was no release date until now. Right, the 20, well, I mean, it hit theatres, right? Cinemas, theatres. It hit cinemas, but no digital release, right? Um, so the 22nd of December is um, when it will be hitting Prime. So mark that down if you want to know how Emerald follows up Promising a Young Woman. Right, so um, Michael Winterbottom has a new film coming, right? It's um, called, well, it's based on A Farewell to Arms, right? The 1929 book from Ernest Hemingway, right? The... Um, it's being written by doo -doo 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 -doo, 
Oh, it's been written by um, Jesus Christ, I can't speak. Winterbottom as well. Um, yeah, and it's going to be starring uh, Tom Blythe, right? So it the film is about Frederick Henry, a young volunteer ambulance driver in the Italian army during World War One who gets wounded and falls in love with his nurse. Mm-hmm. And it's actually based on Hemingway's experiences during the war. So, uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. Now, this is a bit frustrating, because we don't have Max over in the UK. But they have just signed a deal... Warner Brothers Discovery just signed a deal with A24. So all of A24's films, once they've done their thing in the cinema, will hit Max exclusively. Hmm. Yeah. I think sometimes the Max stuff goes to Sky TV over here, but it's not a given. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, hopefully, you know what I mean? Something gets worked out, we get... I don't need another streaming platform. So I don't need Max to come over here. Boy, it's a struggle, man. Too many streaming fucking platforms, you feel me? But, um, yeah, in the States, you've got that to look forward to. Now, something to look forward to, right, are some classic Pixar films. Right, now... They all came out during the pandemic. So, um, well, let's say during the lockdown, right? So they didn't hit the cinema. But Disney and Pixar will be releasing them early next year, which is awesome. Right, so the films in question are Soul, Luca, and Turning Red. Now... I did actually get the chance to see Soul in the cinema as it played during the 2020 London Film Festival. And when things opened up here for like, it felt they were open for a week, two weeks, right? I was able, you know what I mean? It was during the festival. I went and I saw it and it was so goddamn good. It's so good, people. You know what I mean? So right um you should mark the dates down because the 12th of january is when seoul will be uh, having its run right on the 9th of february will be the turn of turning red and then on the 22nd of march is luca which i haven't seen that one yet so yeah, I need to do definitely check that out. All right. Um now James Vanderbilt has a new film called Nuremberg. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be starring Russell Crowe, Remy Malik, and Michael Shannon. And it is based on Jack L. Hayes' book, The Nazi and the Psychiatrist. Right, so um, yeah, it's about uh, 
American psychiatrist Douglas Kelly, who was tasked with determining whether Nazi prisoners are fit were fit to stand trial for their war crimes. He soon engaged in a complex battle of wits with Hitler's right-hand man, Hermann Goering. Yes. Which just sounds crazy, right? But, um, you know, I imagine it's going to be interesting as fuck. Right? It's being produced by Vanderblit, Brad Fisher, Richard Sappenstein, William Sharrock, uh, Istravan Major, and Paul Neinstein. Right. So, we also... Um, Tron Aries is going back to production. Now, we knew it wasn't getting scrapped and everything, but... Everything was just up in the air, but the cast are in Canada and ready to start work, which is great because I really want to see this friggin' film. You feel me? Damn, yeah. And um, something that I'd forgotten about, right? Because you kind of thought, oh, the strike is over. Everything is gravy. But it still actually had to be ratified. And I only realized it the other day as I was seeing posts of people going, I'm voting no. And I'm just like, yo, what? Oh, fuck, what's happening? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, we can't have this continue. I want to see new films and shit, people. You know what I mean? I know it's selfish. But it did finally get ratified, right? Supposedly 78.33% of ballots came in with a yes, which oh, is definitely a relief. So everything now is locked down until the 30th of June, 2026. Now, hopefully, next time around, shit will get negotiated in 2025. You know what I mean? They work that shit out early. But, um, yeah, at least there will be no disruptions. Whew! We're getting films and TV back, baby. Right, and let's end with this because Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire, has a slight shift to its release, right? And just a matter of hours, right? It will still be dropping on Netflix on the 21st of December, but now 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. All right, so, um, yes, there is that. Now, the other thing which uh, is interesting, supposedly Snyder is working on um, the plot for a third film. Hmm, right? Because you kind of figured this film was like part one, part two was a complete thing. Right, but yeah, supposedly, yeah, th there's a third thing, 
So I'm very curious to know how that feeds into everything. You know, nothing's been green lit. Because I imagine Netflix want to know how will um, people receive part one. Because I believe they're not the cheapest of films. You know what I mean? But I'm interested, people. I am very, very interested. Now, the big thing is, right, the, um, the films will be getting a cinema run. Right, starting next Friday, I believe, the 16th of December. And they will be opening in Los Angeles, New York, Toronto, and London. And I know the London day is going to be at the Prince Charles Cinema. So, uh, yeah, this is very interesting times, people, very interesting times, but that is it, we are done for part one, but in part two, we, um, yeah, we look at brothers in arms and speak to the great Jordan Charles, it was an epic conversation, like two, over two and a half hours, you know what I mean? So you do not want to miss that, people. Yo, so share with your friends, you know what I mean? Subscribe to the YouTube on your favorite podcast platform, and we'll see you shortly. Peace.